Some of you are in the season that Pastor Mark and I are in, and we're, we're in the grandparent stage. How many grandparents do I have here? Woohoo! That's a fun stage, isn't it? And this is how Pastor Mark and I feel about being grandparents. If we knew that being grandparents and having grandkids was going to be so awesome, we would have had them first, right? <laughs> but there may be some of you, probably not, hopefully not, that kind of feel this way about grandkids. Perhaps you have a whole tribe and they're over at your house a lot. And sometimes you're kind of like, wow, I need a break. You may feel like this poem that someone wrote about all their grandkids. I've seen the lights of Paris. I've seen the lights of Rome. But no lights are as beautiful as the taillights taking my grandkids home. (laughs) So hopefully none of you feel that way. (laughs) We do know that being a mom, being a dad, being a grandparent is not for wimps. There's lots of challenges involved in raising children. And moms often are the glue that holds the family together. Mom's also many times the thermostat that sets the temperature and the atmosphere in the home. You may have heard this saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And that's really pretty true because how mama feels and how mama acts and displays herself is evident in the home. But we do know that also, you know, being mom, it's, there's a lot of challenges. I've heard said this for many years and I can't improve on it. If being mom was going to be easy, it wouldn't start with something called labor. So there you have it right there. (laughs) That lets us know that there's going to be challenging days ahead. And many times being a mom, you know, it's the toughest job there is, but it is also the most rewarding. Can I get a witness? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of raising children for his glory. Amen. But in that process of having a family and raising our children, perhaps some of you are even raising your grandchildren, there is that temptation to worry, that worry and that concern of what's going to happen. The world is crazy now. What's going to happen to my children? What's going to happen to my grandchildren? And it's, it's very, it's a very real thing to take on the worry and the concern about the future and what's going to happen to them in their lives. And as I was praying about what to minister today, you know, the Lord sometimes gives me titles and then he gives me the message and he gave me this phrase and it is this moms dads everyone this is what the lord wants you to hear today just lighten up just lighten up so when i heard that in my spirit i began to research that and i thought about this that probably you've had this uh, excuse me, you've had this told to you before. Maybe someone looked at you in a serious moment and they said, oh, come on, just lighten up. Will you? Has anybody ever had that said to you? Or perhaps you've said it to people yourself. And what is that phrase implying? It's implying that those around us, someone thinks that we're being too intense or we're being too serious. 
Sometimes teenagers use that term when their parents have corrected them over a situation and they think that you've overreacted or you start expounding on, well, maybe that didn't happen, but this could have happened. And they look at you and you're like, ah, just lighten up, mom, will you? You probably don't really want to hear that from your teenagers, but you probably have heard that at one time or another. I remember years ago when our boys were still smaller and John was a senior in high school, James was a sophomore. And uh, we usually, when we went out of town, we had somebody come and stay at the house with them. We were just going to be gone one night. And so, you know, John's all, I got this, Mom. I got this. I'm 18 years old, and we got it. So we decided, okay, we'll give it a test run. We'll let them stay one night by themselves. Well, John happened to have a basketball game that night. So we gave him the rules. The rules are nobody in the car with you except your brother. And the other rule is nobody comes over to the house. So when we get home the next day, uh, first of all, I was like, what's going on? The house is cleaner than I left it, (laughs) which is sign number one that probably girls were there. And then, so I began to open the cabinet and all I'd stocked them up with junk food, you know, being a good mom, aren't we? Anyway, candy, all the snacks, open the cupboards everything's gone and I had bought this great big container of licorice that was mostly for pastor he likes that neither one of the boys really were fond of licorice another clue there were two pieces of licorice in that great big thing left so the questions began okay John James I know you didn't eat all this food by yourself in one day so were there people were there kids over here and the explanation was this man mom we were at the game. I don't know. I said something to one person that you guys were out of town. And after the game, when I went home, the basketball team and, you know, some girls, they just mysteriously started showing up at the house. And, you know, my reaction was, Pastor Mark's reaction, okay, that wasn't supposed to happen. This could have happened, la, 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 la. And, and, you know, I got the, oh, come on, Mom. It's cool. It's all good. Nothing happened. So sometimes, you know, kids want to say that to us or you say that to someone else. Ah, it's cool. Just lighten up. Nothing happened. But as I was thinking about this message, did you know that the Bible tells us to lighten up? Might not use that exact term, but it does tell us to lighten up. So I started looking up the definitions of lighten. One is this, relief of a burden or a weight. Get rid of something that's heavy and weighing you down. That'll lighten you up. And then the verb of lighten up was very interesting. To cheer, to gladden. To brighten up. Woo, isn't that good? So it's scriptural for me to say to you today, come on, lighten up, will ya? Will you just get rid of those burdens? Will you just become a little bit more cheerful? Can you just be glad and happy in Jesus? Amen. So let's talk about those two things. Number one, get rid of those burdens and cares. And no, I'm not talking about taking a person and cutting them off and getting rid of them in that way in your life. But I'm talking about learning to cast our burdens, concerns, and worries over upon Him. 
Psalms chapter 55, verse 22 in the Amplified says this. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. And he will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. That's good news right there. Would you agree? So what is he telling us here? We need to learn to cast the burden of whatever it is. If it's one of your relatives, if it's a concern about the, your job, your finances, whatever t- is tempting to weigh you down, he said, cast it on me. And he didn't say here, you know, if it's easy, if it seems like you want to do that. No, he says, you just do it. And he never asked us to do something we can't do. He wouldn't say, cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, unless he had given us the ability to do that. It could be a person. It could be something that you're facing physically. It could be financial pressure. Whatever it is, we can say, Lord, I can't fix this. So I'm going to put it into your capable hands. People, particularly moms, we like to be fixers. We like to, you know, from the time our kids are little and they get a little boo-boo, who do they run to? Mommy. Mommy puts a band-aid on it. Mommy kisses it. Mommy fixes it. As they get older, perhaps somebody at school says something mean and ugly to them. And so we, as mommies, we want to fix it. We want to go confront that kid on the playground. You know what I mean? We want to fix it. Or as they get maybe in their teenage years and somebody breaks their heart or whatever, we want to go have a word with that person. We want to fix things. But as they get older, and even when they're little, folks, we can't fix people. Only Jesus can fix them. Amen? We need to learn to put all our cares, all our concerns over into His capable hands. Have y'all heard of Zig Ziglar? He's written a lot of really powerful books, very positive perspective. And he said this, those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hands in everything. Isn't that good? Those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hands in everything. Now, don't take that wrong. That doesn't mean that we don't have our part. That doesn't mean that we don't pray, pray for our families. That doesn't mean that we don't get into the word and confess the word. That doesn't mean that we don't use our faith. And it doesn't mean that we don't act on the word. But what it does mean is we do act on the word. And we do our part and we pray, confess the word. And then we say, Lord, I got to give this to you. I can't change this situation. I can't make this better, but I'm going to put it over into your 
capable hands. Amen. We don't know what the future holds. We, we confess the word. We believe God. But we don't know everything about the future for our lives, for our family's lives, our friends' lives. We don't know all that may happen in the future. We don't know everything about the future. But we do know who holds the future. And our part is what that verse just said. It said, cast your burdens your cares on him. And then I like the second part of that. And then it says, and he will sustain you, sustain you. So I looked up the word sustain in the Hebrew and it means this provide, protect, defend, support, and hold up. Woo. That's good. He will provide. He will protect. He will defend. He will support you. He will hold you up. In other words, he's got you. He's got you in the palm of his hands. He's got a grip on you. And his grip don't slip. Amen. We're upheld by his mighty power. We've got his strength. Hallelujah. We can lean back into his everlasting arms. And we will not fall. We will not fail when we're leaning, leaning, leaning on Jesus. Safe and secure from all that harms leaning leaning on Jesus and he's not going to be distracted you could be leaning back into his wonderful arms and he's not going to drop you he's not going to get distracted somewhere and boom you hit the floor no he's there to sustain us support us up hold us. Amen. And maybe you might be in here today and you might be a single parent or you could even be a grandparent that's raising a child all by yourself. And it's easy to feel alone. It's easy to feel like we're without support, but that's not true because God is always there. And what did he say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And Amplified, it says, I will never leave you without aid or support. Hallelujah. He's got you. God's got you. Hallelujah. And God has got your family as well. So let's look at another passage about relieving that burden and that care, lightening that lightening up in first Peter chapter five, verse seven in the amplified. Y'all are familiar with this passage, but I want to look at an amplified Casting the whole of your care. All. Everybody say all. All. You know what all means in the Hebrew? You know what all means in the Greek? All. All your anxieties. All your worries. All your concerns. Once and for all. On Him. For He cares for you affectionately. And He cares about you watchfully the whole of your care not some not half one lady she was down at the altar praying and a minister came over and he asked her what you know she's praying about she says well i'm just i'm just trying to get rid of of this worry i've got this worry about this and this worry about that he told her this verse of scripture cast all your worries cast all your anxieties over upon the lord and she goes 
oh, I don't need to do that. I'm going to give him about half of them and I can keep the rest. I can handle the rest. No, we can't. We think we can handle it, but worry is not a good thing. Worry and being anxious are not healthy for us. One person said this about anxiety. It's mentally leaving where you are and getting into an area of the past or the future. And guess what? You can't do anything about either one. People live in regret over decisions that they made in the past. They worry about what they did 20 years ago. You can't go back and change it. Our life is not like the movie, Back to the Future. You can't get in that car and go back 20 years and make something different. What's done is done. And what's going to happen in the future, you set your course according to the Word of God. But why worry about tomorrow? Who's got tomorrow? The Lord Jesus has tomorrow. He said, take no thought about your life. Take no thought about what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What's going to happen tomorrow? Well, it's going to be good because He's got you in His hand. People worry and they're all upset about, I made this mistake with my kid. I made that mistake with him. Listen, as perfect as Pastor Mark and I are, we made mistakes raising our boys. They're not perfect, but thank God our granddaughters are. It's awesome how that works. No, we're not perfect people. You're not perfect people. Your kids aren't, aren't perfect either. So why worry about the mistakes that you made in the past? And why get in anxiety about the future? We all know this about worry. Worry is a futile exercise. It's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. And worry, it's damaging to our peace of mind as well as to our body. Worry is failure to trust God. The word worry comes from an old English term that literally means to strangle or to choke. It chokes the life right out of us to get caught up in worry and anxiety. Medical science has even proven that worry breaks down our resistance to disease. It actually diseases the nervous system and more specifically the digestive organs and the heart. We don't want it. That's why he tells us repeatedly in his word, don't do it. God created us in his likeness and in his image. He gave you that body that you have and he doesn't want us to destroy or damage it by taking on weights and cares that we weren't designed to handle. That's why he said, give them to me and I will sustain you. Let me ask you a question. Do you trust the Lord. Are you assured of his love for you? Have you judged him faithful? Has he ever come through for you in a situation? Can he be trusted? Can he be depended upon? Can you rely on him with all of your heart? Can you put 
your loved ones into his hand and know that he's watching over them as well. There's an example of a woman in the Bible. And this is mom's day, so we need to talk about at least one woman in the Bible. And her name is Sarah. Anybody ever heard of Sarah? Let's look at what the Bible says about her in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, what? Faithful who had promised. Anybody got some promises from the Lord that you are standing on? Guess what? He is faithful. Sarah was the one who had to conceive and carry that baby. She's the one who had to give birth to that bouncing baby boy when she was 90 years old. I don't even want to go there. No wonder it said she received strength. Dear Jesus, she had to have supernatural strength. And as I was looking at this hall of faith, chapter Hebrews chapter 11 Sarah's the only woman that got her own verse in there and I was like yay Sarah she deserved her own verse in Hebrews chapter 11 because she did all the work Abraham had his little part to play we're not putting men down he had to believe God he had to you know He had to do the other thing. But Sarah is the one that had to carry that baby and deliver that baby. Can I? Oh, mom is in here. Dads have no idea. Let's just say that. We're not putting down dads. They got their little part in birth. But it's mama. Mama's the one that has to go through that, the birthing pains, and carry that baby and that basketball for, you know months in her belly. I just recently saw something. You may follow the royal family in Britain. I think it's kind of interesting. But Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan, they just had a little boy uh, this week. And I found it fascinating. He came out to deliver the news to the press. And the look on his face was a look of shock and awe. (laughs) And one of the people said, is this the first birth that you've ever witnessed? And he's like, yes. And then he said, I'm amazed. I'm stunned, he said, that my wife. And then he goes, well, any mom, for that matter, could go through that. And I was like, yay, Harry, you got it. I'm glad you got that. It's a big deal to deliver a baby. And that's why the Bible said Sarah was counted faithful because she judged God faithful. She received strength to carry God's promise to fulfillment. Do you know where the Bible tells us that our strength comes from? In Nehemiah 8.10, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I don't think that it's by accident. God told him what to name their son, but Isaac means laughter. So when she went through all of that, 
she had joy unspeakable and full of glory and started laughing when she saw that baby at 90 years old. And you and I need to tap into that same joy and receive the strength that is ours to walk through this life. When we judge God faithful, when we trust Him, joy will be present. Because why? We know He's upholding us. He's got us. He's got our loved ones in the palm of His hand. I want to tell you today, don't worry. Be happy. The second thing about lighten up, the definition, cheer up. Brighten up. Be glad. Too often in this life, we put off being happy, being cheerful until everything is perfect. You know, if we wait till everything to line up perfectly, we're never going to have joy. We're never going to be happy. We're not going to enjoy this life. For us as believers, happiness is not a destination. I'll be happy when happiness is the path that we follow in our everyday life. Why can we be happy? How can you be happy as a mom, as a parent? How can you be happy in this life when things aren't looking great? Well, we can be happy because we know that he's got us in his hand. We know who holds the future. Don't take on this attitude. Well, I'm going to be happy when I get that great job. I'm going to be happy when I get married. I'm going to be happy when I have a baby. I'm going to be happy when the baby sleeps through the night. Hallelujah. I'm going to be happy when that baby goes to school. I'm going to really be happy when that baby graduates from school and college. Woo, I'm going to be super happy when that baby moves out and gets a job. I heard the hallelujah chorus on that one. But the problem with that attitude is we're always looking to the future to be happy. And we postpone living and enjoying life today. How many believers are in the house? If you are a believer, if Jesus is your Lord, if God is your Father, you got something to be happy about every single day. Amen. Psalms 145, verse 15, in the Amplified again, it says, Happy and blessed are the people who are in such a case. It didn't say the people who are a case. That's not a good thing. The people who are in such a case. Yes, happy, blessed, fortunate, prosperous. To be envied are the people, read that last part with me, whose God is the Lord. Can I see some happy in here today? Woo! We're happy because God is our Lord. 
on your worst day, it's still better than believers' good day. And you know, a non-believers' good day. You know why? Because we know that we're not just going to be in the, doing this forever. We know our final destination is heaven. If, if all hell is breaking loose in your life, you can just stop and say, well, you know what? It's not looking good down here right now, but I'm going to just choose to rejoice and be happy because I know Jesus is my Lord. I know he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. I know that on the other side of this is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. I know that weeping may endure for a night, but I know tomorrow's going to be a better day. Hallelujah. Joy comes in the morning. I got God on my side and that's all I need. And I know where my final destination is. We forget sometimes as believers that people that don't know the Lord, they're dealing with the same junk that you are. And a lot of times more besides, and they don't have Jesus, but we do happy is the people whose God is the Lord. We got something to be thankful about. Everything's not, might not be awesome in your life right now, but if Jesus is your Lord, that's something to shout about. Let me just ask you this question. Are you happy? Then notify your face. Are you happy? Maybe we should ask your family and your friends. I like something that Pastor John Osteen, he's Joel Osteen's dad. He's in heaven, been there many years. But people, he always had a smile on his face. And someone asked Brother Osteen one time, do you ever wake up grumpy? And he said, no, I usually let her sleep. (laughs) We don't want that to be said. Of us. And he was just picking on Dodie. She's a wonderful woman of God. But we don't want our family having that testimony. Mom, dad are always grumpy and grouchy. No, we want to have a smile on our face, a spring in our step, full of the joy of the Lord. Amen. I don't know if we have this translation. If we don't, I'll just read it to you. But it's found in Proverbs fifteen thirteen out of the Common English Bible. So just listen to this. A joyful heart brightens one's face, but a troubled heart breaks the spirit. A joyful heart brightens one's face. Did you know when you got joy on the inside... It's going to show up on the outside. We can try the latest and the greatest creams and the skincare treatment and regimen to get that youthful glow back on our faces. But I have a question for you. Have you tried in his presence? In his presence is the greatest youth enhancer that I know about. Psalm 1611 says in his presence is fullness 
of joy. And when we hang out with him and we get in his presence and the oil of joy gets rubbed all over our face, guess what? You're going to get that hydrated look. You're going to get that Holy Ghost glow that you don't get anywhere else. This verse said, a joyful heart brightens one's face. Did you know that a smile is the best improvement that you can do to your looks? A smile takes less muscles than frowning. So let's just try it. Smile a while and give your face a rest. Some of you aren't participating. Let's all participate. Smile. It's a good thing. It brightens up our face. Now, Job, we all hear about Job. He went through a lot of horrible things in his life, but there are lessons that we can learn from Job. And one is that his end was better than his beginning. He said this, at destruction and at famine, I'm going to laugh. He put his trust in God after he went through all of this stuff. But I found this scripture just this morning in Job 9:27 in the Amplified. If I say, I will forget my complaint, I will put... Now, this is part I want you to see. I will put off my sad countenance and be of good cheer and brighten up. Hallelujah. He realized that being cheerful is a choice. Brightening up is a choice. My parents used to say this, and maybe some of yours is similar to this. You can get glad in the same britches that you got mad in. You can get glad in the same britches that you got sad in. It's a choice to brighten up. Proverbs seventeen twenty two. this is out of the message, says, A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom. And doom leave you bone dry, bone tired, bone tired. That's not a good thing. Do you find yourself saying all the time, I'm so tired. I'm so fatigued. I'm bone tired. Well, if that's the case, maybe you ought to check up on your joy level. And what you're displaying. Stop living with our heads hung down and focusing on the negative. You know what that is? That's being a joy sucker. Things that happen in our life cause the joy of the Lord to be sucked right out of us. To be drained right out of us. It dries the bones. It tires you out. We cannot go through life without joy. It's tiring It's wearing. We need the force of joy to be evident and active in our lives. As parents, as just people in general, are we facilitating joy and laughter in our homes or are we killing it? You've heard that term, don't be a killjoy. You know, as our boys were growing up and pastors, he's labeled... We have Hallelujah Hallway now that he runs up and down when, you know, we need more offerings, whatever. Hallelujah Hallway. But I can boldly say this. Even though we weren't perfect parents, our home was always filled with lots of laughter. Not only was it 
hallelujah hallway, but it was ha ha, happy hallway. Your kids need to grow up in an atmosphere. Your grandkids need to grow up around joy. They need to grow up around people that know how to smile, know how to lighten up. And if you don't have that kind of personality, that cheery little personality, you can get one. You can ask the Lord to help you not to be so serious all the time. Don't take yourself so serious and certainly don't take the devil so serious. He is defeated and he will throw lies at you. He will, attacks will come. But the Bible tells us that this is what Jesus does when he sees the attacks of the devil. Over in Psalm chapter 2 verse 4, it says, Jesus, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord holds him in derision. So when the devil is attacking us, you know what Jesus is doing? Ha, ha, ha. You are defeated. You can't have them. You can't touch them. And we as his children should learn to act just like Jesus. Folks, I submit to you today. This is my word. This is it. This is all you're getting. Lighten up, will ya? Cast your cares upon the Lord.